This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Welcome in, everybody, to Fan to Fan Detroit. I'm your host, Andrew Norris. This is Double P, producer Parker. First of all, Parker, what is going on, my friend? How are you? There is nothing going on except for what's about to happen on the show. It's very important, so let's yes. get right to it. Very important. Stay tuned. Uh, well, I guess we'll just get straight to it. We want to welcome in Terry Foster, a man who in this city, uh, especially for sports fans, I don't think needs an introduction. Uh, we've all listened to him on 97.1 or read him in the Detroit News. Uh, but let's get him in here. Appreciate Terry, what that. is going on? I'm, I'm a has-been. Nobody remembers who I am now. But oh, <laughs> <laughs> Still killing it on the blog, though. We've been keeping up on the blog. Uh, you know, you know, I write those blogs at 4 in the morning. And the funny thing is just whatever's on my mind, I just go with it. Yeah, that's the- well, that's what I love about it is that it's not just – straight sports we get to see kind of the other side of terry foster in my opinion you got some politics in there a little bit of your personal life we get to see uh and it's all interesting especially for me i'm somebody who's been i'm not, and i'm not joking i'm 23 years old i've okay. been listening to you and reading all of your work since i was i don't know eight nine years old a big part of why I wanted to do something like this was you, both you and Mike Valenti. I mean, at two to six every day of the week, I would be listening to you guys. Uh, and it just always, every time I listened, I got that, that itch to just want to talk sports with people. Um, so it's really, really awesome to have you here. Thank you. You're a baby. You were listening to me when you were eight or nine. Holy oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah a man. Prodigy. We prefer the word prodigy. Yeah, prodigy. That's that we'll go prodigy. That sounds Future good. of the franchise, you know. So. Um, Terry, I got something I want to start with. Uh, We pulled something from, uh, we've got a couple of bylines of yours here. And I'm going to show you, I got three of them here, just the bylines, like a little bit of the paragraph. I want to see if you can guess what year these bylines are from. Okay. Here's the the first one. It says, FHC's Rangers ride golf hurt to county title. All right, I got that one. This is the other one. Forest Hill Central Depth Clubs. Opponents, an excellent strain pun headline there. Okay, I don't write headlines, but that was fine. <laughs> uh, we've got Forest Hill Central golfers take second in state. Uh, do you? Can you? Does that? Uh, does that year come to you at all? That had to be nineteen eighty-two. Wow, that is exactly right. Those are from nineteen eighty-two. Uh, my father and grandfather was a uh they were both very good golfers growing up my dad was a like an all-state golfer in high school wow, so. i really feel old now i wrote about your dad i know i'm <laughs> sorry i terry we're really like really going right at you with some personal you stuff know, here. Least, i apologize okay. <laughs> at least it was right in the start of the career it wasn't like right. a mid-career 1980 press uh so before we get into sports and what's going on in the detroit sports landscape because mm-hmm. that's kind of depressing i think as we all know it is what is the what's the number one thing you miss about being either on a full-time radio show or writing every day about these teams? I think the number one thing I miss is um, I miss just being in the forefront of things, being able to create your own thing, dictate what you want to write, 
get people to think, um, get, move people, e even the anger. I mean, I like doing that. Just being able to communicate with people and, you know, getting them to respond. I miss that. Even though the responses sometimes were not very positive, but that, that's, the, that's the number one thing. And yeah. I, I like writing. That's why I write a blog now. Uh, I just I just like getting up at four in the morning, sleep in my eye, I can barely see, and I just kind of write something, and I just enjoy communication. It's, it's kind of like my hobby, like stamp collecting or something like that. Right, kind of a way to kind of a way to almost blow off steam. Just let right. let your voice be heard. See, even if people react negatively, it's like, well, now we're having the discussion, and that's what I was here for in the first place. So at least that's and how I feel about it. I'm foolish. I think that I can still educate some people. I think I can reach them. I think I can get them to broaden their minds. It doesn't work, but I'm still trying. Got to, right? It's right. You you got to treat it like the opposite of the lions. The lions you give up on early. Something like that. You, yeah, <laughs> something like that. You just go and go and go. If you don't change any minds, you don't change any minds. But at least you got the information out there. Uh, you know what? I, I feel sorry for lion fans. Lion fans Every year in August, September, this is the year. They're going to be good. I can't tell you why, but they're going to be good. They got more talent than, than you think. Now it's October. Normally, by November, they're all pissed off. I'm never going to a game again. I'm Lions free. Forget this team. And then, you know, January, February, I still hate this team. By April, the Lions get them back. They get a couple free agents. They have the draft, and and every NFL team does something really smart. The first four work workouts are in no pads, so you're running real fast, and and you think, man, these I never heard of this fifth round draft pick, but he's looking really good, and then people buy in again. Well, how how old were you, Terry, when you finally stopped doing that? Because like I said a minute ago, I'm 23, and what I do now, so I'm almost there. What I do now is Monday through Saturday, I am anti-Lions. I'm like, this team's done. I want them to lose every game. And then about 12.55 on Sunday, I look at them and I go, like today, I'm, you know, they are three and four. There's going to either be seven or eight playoff teams this year. Mm -hmm. What yeah. if this, 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 and this all happened in a row? When, when do you think I'm going to finally hit that breaking point slash how old were you when you hit the breaking point when you were just like, no, no expectations? I was in my 30s when Barry Sanders was playing. Here's what, and because I, I said that on Twitter the other day, that the Lions lost me in the 80s when Barry was playing. And people said, there's no way you could, you could lose the Lions when Barry was playing. Yes, you can. Here's why. Do you know what the Lions did every time they got inside, in, inside the 10-yard line? Threw the ball <laughs> instead nope. of giving it to him. They took Barry out the game. Mm, even worse. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, they had something. Was I think it was the Stephen Boyd nickel package or something goofy like that. Because they, they, their theory was Barry is always trying to hit the big play. And when they, once they got inside the 10, they just wanted to go north and south. So they took him out of the game. Even if you didn't give him the ball, leave him as a decoy. That's when they lost me. To, to me, that sounds a lot like Whoa. something this current regime would do. 
with their uh, I think all of Detroit has kind of realized at this point that they have a very smartest guy in the room mentality. Right. And that that's what that sounds like to me. Um, now we're all fed up. We're all done. We're all at our breaking point with this season just by itself, let alone just excuse the history. If this season was standalone, uh, how surprised would you be? They didn't do it during the bye, but if when this show airs on Tuesday, Matt Patricia no longer has his job as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. Not going to happen. I'd be shocked. That's not what the Lions do. And uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. They don't like firing people in midseason because for whatever reason, they think something magical is going to happen. <clears throat> and it never does. And so, uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Patricia was on the sideline in 2021. Don't even say oh. that. Don't, you're just going to scare Why? me saying that one. Uh, so you think Sheila Ford Hamp is just another Ford? It, she's yeah. just, she's just another the apple Ford. doesn't fall far from the tree. <clears throat> yeah. I knew they were going to give them every opportunity when Mama Ford says, when she did her ultimatum, which was not an ultimatum, by the way, she said, if they're not in playoff contention in December, you know, that's it. Everybody's in playoff contention in December. Right. I mean, you can be, what would it be, five and seven or six and eight in December, and guess what? You're still in the playoff hunt. You're in playoff contention. So when everyone says, oh, Mrs. Ford laid down this must-win ultimatum, I feel like, what ultimatum? There's no ultimatum. Her ultimatum was the Lions had better be mediocre or else I might pull the plug. Right. That's we don't want our season ticket holders. We don't want our season ticket holders to stop buying season tickets. But as long as they don't do that, you guys can come back and keep trying to build right. the Patriots all five years removed from their prime. Right. Um, it's pathetic. Now, just looking at the team, uh, excuse the coaching staff, the GM, we're going to put you in the GM seat. Obviously, okay. we've seen last year through seven, eight games before Stafford got hurt. We saw maybe the best Stafford we've seen, at least up there. Uh, and this year so far, it has been wild, erratic, too many interceptions, the footwork isn't right, uh, taking some sacks, holding onto the ball a little too long. We've seen more of that Stafford. Mm-hmm. Now, if they, I guess it's two questions in one. If they move on from this head coach and this GM, from Quint Trisha, do you think Stafford will be back as the quarterback? And then if they stick with them, do you think Stafford will be back as the quarterback? Because obviously we missed Tua, we missed Herbert. We've missed right. a couple of years of really good quarterback drafts. And now we have another one coming, but it's the Lions, so you can't expect them to move on. For whatever reason, they love Matthew Stafford. I'm going to say he will be back unless he just walks. Uh, but they're paying him so much money, why would he? Uh, I think I think Mama Stafford is, is fed up with Detroit and the Detroit Lions. She, they put the house up for sale. She rips the NFL, rips the Lions whenever she can. I think she's fed up. And even though he won't say it, I think a part of Matthew Stafford has to be fed up. Um, you know, no matter how well or how poorly he plays, they're the same old Lions. And I believe this about Matthew Stafford. I know he is not having a good season this year. But I think when you look at the totality of his work, if he was in any team, other team in the NFC North, he would have multiple playoff victories. Green Bay, Chicago, Minnesota. He would have at least two victories if he was with one of those teams. And how many does he have with the Lions? 
and none. That's zero. Yep. Well, and then, I mean, even if you look at it this year, you take a team like the Cowboys, who were okay with Dak, but with that wide receiver core and that running back, and before they got all these injuries, that offensive line, if he was on the Cowboys even for the last three years, who knows the the heights that team could have reached? You, You know who you should ask that question to? Jerry Jones. Yeah. I think if Jerry Jones could have Matthew Stafford, he'd do whatever he can to get him. Well, you know, he's got that Dak ankle injury as an excuse to go get him now. Yeah. Well, but uh, he still, you know, he had, uh, you know, Mr. Redhead. So I think he, he felt he had a very good backup that they were going to win with him, but that's not working out either. So. Yeah, they almost – did you see that they almost started the quarterback from your alma mater, Cooper Rush, this week? It didn't yeah, end up working out. Yeah. I was waiting for Cooper to get in there. <laughs> and they're, I think they're beating the Steelers right now, believe it or not. I think they're beating. NFL's crazy. It, it's, a touchdown, it's a touchdown sport one way or the other. Right. Um, so I know you are a Michigan guy, but not a Michigan or a Michigan State guy. I'm a State of Michigan man. State of Michigan man. That's the correct terminology. Entire up tips. Uh, so we've been brought down. Uh, over the last mm-hmm. half a decade by these teams, but at least we had like a small bit of Michigan State success and Michigan teams that weren't good enough. They weren't going to Indianapolis. They weren't going to the playoffs, but they would win mm-hmm. nine, 10 games. They'd beat an Indiana or they'd beat the 23rd ranked team in the country when they came in. And now we've seen over these first three weeks, we've seen Mel Tucker lose to Rutgers. And then right. lose on uh, yesterday, Saturday, 49-7, to I believe, was the final yeah. score. And we have seen the complete implosion of Jim Harbaugh and his staff. Now, Tucker, obviously, you got to give the guy some time. He showed up in his first rivalry game and got that done, which is a start. He's taken over a, uh, a school and a team that is pieces of what it was five years ago. You know, D'Antoni kind of really screwed it up on the way out, left it pretty bare bones. But when it comes to Harbaugh, it's – and I don't want to just be the let's fire all the coaches guy, but that's kind of where we're at in this well, city. you want to win, right? Yeah. Um, here, here's what I say about Jim Harbaugh. He received the longest honeymoon of any coach in Detroit history. No matter, no matter how you screwed up, it was like, oh, it was, the, you know, it was a bad spot or bad luck and – uh, you know, it wasn't his fault. Um, you know, trouble with the snap. There's one thing that didn't happen, the trouble with the snap with Michigan State. Nobody but no one placed blame on Jim Harbaugh. They said, oh, it was a fluke play at the end of the game. You know, what's the guy supposed to do? How about this? Don't have gunners when Michigan State is sending the kitchen sink in to rush the, 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 the punter. Yep. Max protect. All you have to do is one play, max protect. And then, and then even, if the you, even if you fumble the snap, if you're in max protect, you just fall on the snap, and then their only hope is a Hail Mary right. instead of being able to return it. You know, there would have been, what, eight seconds left on the right. clock if they fell and on it? Poor punter's like, oh, my God, everybody's on my <laughs> ass right now. And he fumbled the ball and got all nervous. And that's our ball's fault. But he, he received no blame. No, and and it it amazes me how still there is Michigan fans. It's the the herd is thinned for sure. The herd is mm-hmm. thinned, but there is still a good amount of Michigan fa- fans and Michigan men who won't yeah. just say Harbaugh needs to go. 
But with Harbaugh, or even without Harbaugh, we're now 14 years removed from the last time we saw a great Michigan team when they had the one-versus-two game with Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are... I mean, my entire fandom as a Michigan fan has been losses. Like, that one-versus-two game in 06 was the first game as a kid that I really jumped on and watched the whole thing and was ready to go. But the path forward where this this uh, school can become what it was, the greatness that I always get told that they used to have under Bo, and it doesn't – it's seeming less and like less likely that it's possible to get back to there, especially when you have schools like Ohio State – and Clemson and Alabama right. that are just let, let me let me warn you, the bowl era wasn't as great as you were told it was. I think Harbaugh basically has Michigan back to where it was under bowl. The only difference is Ohio State has taken their program and raised it to SEC levels, and Michigan State under bowl was a terrible program, and um, now Michigan State can beat Michigan. Bo didn't have to worry about anybody but Ohio State. He was 2-10 and 10 in bowl games. He, God bless him, he was 4-3-1 against Ohio State, and that's probably all that mattered. A lot of his Big Ten championships were shared. Now you have to win a big game, and then you have to win a Big Ten championship game to actually win the Big Ten and go to the Rose Bowl or the, or the Final Four. Um, you know, I, I think Bo would fail at that too if he were coaching today because it's just a different different time now yeah you you have to turn into one of these schools that is a a football company more than a school it feels like that's what ohio state is that's what clemson is clemson is for sure the student athlete aspect with those schools seems to be gone uh and it seems to be it is gone it is gone yeah that's Um, you're right that's a better way to put it uh I, my understanding is these coaches, when they recruit these guys, they talk about academics and, and uh, they, they say the right thing to the parents. But during the first meeting that they have with these players, they say, you're here to play football. I know what I told you coming here, but the main thing is we got to win football games. Academics is second. Make sure that your classes don't interfere with uh, football because you are a football player, and second, you're a student. I mean, are are you going to reward a guy who has uh, a four-point grade point average for his football team that finishes, I don't know, four and seven? No, he's fired. Now, if you have a coach that goes 11-0 and and their GPA is 2.7, he keeps his job. And probably gets a raise. Yeah. It probably gets a raise, but a big one. <laughs> that's that's college football. Maybe we'll see some of that change uh, in the coming years, where players can get paid for their likeness and they'll be able to sign autographs for money and won't mm-hmm. get suspended for a half like Johnny Menzel. But let's move on because I think the thing me and Parker both really want to talk to you about is the Detroit Pistons. Me and you. Yeah. So you actually, Terry, you came on my first podcast when I was seventeen. Uh, it was called the Hooper's Log. Seventeen or eighteen. It was okay. right after the season we traded for Reggie Jackson. There was finally a little bit of excitement. Um, me and you actually were, were, I think we crossed some lines. We compared Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond to Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace. Um, okay. <laughs> My uh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> Not perfect. But, you know, yeah, no, we both did it. And with 
a team like the Pistons, who was going on at the time a half decade and now a decade, that have been mediocre at the very best. You know, you got to try to find some stuff. Um, but before we get into the draft, I know Parker has a big free agency question for ah, you that me yes. and him have argued about. So I want to see right. what your take is on it. The Pistons appear to be the most favored team, most rumored team to get Fred Van Vliet this year. Do you think that the Pistons, if they have the option to, should sign Fred Van Vliet? And we'll call it $17 million a year. Four years, yeah, four years, $68 million. Oh, man, that, that's a lot of money for Van I like him as a player, don't get me wrong. But the problem is the Pistons keep overpaying for guys who don't produce $17 million worth of equity a year. Uh, if you can sign him for 9 or $10 million, I may go for it. But 17 with the salary cap, way too much for a guy like that. Yeah, and that's been that's been my thought on it, right, is uh, 16 to $22 million players in the NBA is what gets you stuck in NBA purgatory. It gets right. you stuck as the eight seed or the bottom half of the lottery. And for a team like Detroit, where you're not going to get the free agents, you're not going to get a Paul George, a Kawhi Leonard, a LeBron James, an Anthony Davis, you're not going to get those guys. You have to shoot, shoot, shoot from deep until you hit on that star in the draft. And what a guy like Fred Van Vliet does is he wins you some games. Like you said, he's a good player. He'll get you an extra four, five, six wins a year. And then you put that with Blake Griffin, and that's another extra couple wins. And now all of a sudden, instead of having the fourth best draft lottery, draft lottery odds, you have the ninth best draft lottery odds. Are you more on the bandwagon for a team like Detroit specifically, because I, I, my personal belief is it works different in different cities that you got to tank or at least maybe not trust the process where it's every time we get an asset, if he's not a star, trade him away, but be in the bottom five, six teams of the league every year until you find your superstar. Yeah. That's only what the Pistons are going to make it because this is not a free agent destination. The only team where free agents are going to come here, and I'm talking about the top ones, is the, the Red Wings. Everybody else, Pistons, no. Lions, no. Uh, Tigers, no. Um, Not yet, at least, with the Tigers. I'm just going to say no, period. Okay. But, uh, I mean, uh-huh. what is, what's the, you know what the Tigers' number one free agent signing was? Ever? Huh? Oh, yeah, Pudge for sure. It, it was a domino effect. Right, and but he – sign here because other teams said, okay, we're not going to pay you. The, the Tigers are pretty much his only choice other than stay in Texas. So everybody else dropped off. So he came to Detroit, liked it here, stayed here for a while, was pampered, and the rest is history. And he brought yeah. a lot of other guys too. But Pistons, you know, LeBron James is not coming here, and Kawhi's not coming here, and Steph Curry is not coming here. It'd be nice, though. Draft, huh? <laughs> It'd be nice, though, Steph it, Curry. It would be nice. But you have to understand, I mean, under Van Gundy, if they knew how to draft, uh, they they could have some nice players here. Uh, they could have uh, Booker, who's, who's out in Phoenix, and uh, I, I heard he's going to move. Uh, who, who's the other one? Is um, uh, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Now, here's the thing that pissed me off about Donovan Mitchell. My understanding, I was at that time, I was going to the palace and we weren't allowed in to watch, but we were interviewed players after they worked out with the Pistons. I was told Donovan Mitchell 
during his workout with the Pistons, he showed out. Nobody could stop him. He felt like he was the man, and they still didn't draft him. Yeah, I've heard the words I've heard about Donovan Mitchell's workout there was it was the best workout the scouts have ever seen, <laughs> which is, and and I understand you you're picking I think it was eleventh or twelfth that year, so you kind of are going for fit, right? You have you had a core that you had put together that you believed in at least a little bit. So you see the shooter in Luke Kennard, who's going to be, you know, at worst, he's going to be like a 10, 11, 12 point on 38% from three guy. But it kind of all boils back down to what we were talking about a second ago. You, you also know, as much as you know he's going to be at least average, you know he's not going to be a star. Right. So that's why you have to go get Donovan Mitchell. And also, even though it's draft compared to free agency, why you can't get a guy like Fred Van Vliet. It takes you out of the running for these stars, or at least makes it uh, a lot harder to get these guys in the draft. Right. That was your last chance to get Donovan Mitchell. Right. Uh, the, could, one and only. That's the it. The Pistons could get Luke Kennard as a free agent if he was somewhere else. They yep. couldn't get Donovan Mitchell. That's a good point. Because he's blown up too much. Now – so obviously the the two title teams that have been built here with the bad boys and the go to work Pistons, mm-hmm. I guess three, but two mm-hmm. groupings of players, uh, they were built on the same thing: defense, hard work, toughness. Right. If the Pistons were to build a team uh, that was successful, that was a championship contender, but was closer to the offensive side of the ball, more finesse, more shooting. Do you think this city would still embrace them in the same way? I've actually wanted to ask you this question. I think you're more equipped to answer this question than just about anybody. You know, I, th- I think Detroit likes winners no matter what. Now, would they embrace them like they did the going to work Pistons and the bad boys? Probably not. But they would get they would get excited. I mean, the Pistons are definitely now the number four professional fan- franchise in Detroit by a I wide mean, margin. They used to fight that. Simply because I was covering them. I'm not covering the number four team in Detroit. Yes, you were, dude. So um, I think it's just been so long, and you have a different fan base who doesn't remember them being good. I mean, you know, you, you tell kids now about Ben Wallace and they're like, who's that? Yeah, yeah no, so, the, like, the huh? thing I love to see is, you know, the youngest kids talking basketball always like, this guy averaged six points a game. He definitely doesn't belong to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, Let's slow down there. This is this is the best defensive player in the least not maybe not the best defensive era, but the era where the least amount of points were scored. Uh you you agree with me on that, right? Ben Wallace should be in the Hall of Fame. I struggle with that. Oh okay. um, I mean, yeah, he was a very good defender, but you know, Ben Wallace was a very good off the ball defender. Wasn't a great one on one defender, but he would you know, if somebody got beat, Ben would, you know, make sure to, you know, you know, swat the ball away. But he's a very good defender. I think Ben Wallace to be a Hall of Famer, that team needed to win two or three championships. Um, and the one that they won, they weren't favored to win. And I, and I still think the primary reason the Pistons won against the Lakers is the Lakers had no clue who they were playing. They were fighting with each other. Uh, they, they, you know, they barely knew who the Pistons were, and um, I think the Lakers lost that more than the Pistons won it. Yeah, that. So, 
I, I obviously have weird memories of that era because of my age. But I went back, I don't know, three days ago and watched Game 7 of the 2005 NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I don't know how everybody could sit through an 82-game season of 75 to 70 games. <laughs> was it? Was it? Was that the whole league? Or was that pretty much locked into the Pistons or like the Spurs where it's going to be between 70 and 85 points, if not less than that? Yeah, that was like the Pistons, the Spurs, the Indiana Pacers were like that, even though they had Reggie Miller. Um, I mean, they just walked the ball up the court and it did get boring. But the only reason it wasn't boring to us is because they were winning. I still remember trying to slug through a, uh, I think it was 68 to 62 game. With Indiana Pacers, I'm like, oh my god, this is awful. <laughs> that's Plus what that's one. fifteen points a quarter. <laughs> yeah, basically, they're getting that with seven minutes left in the first. Now it's they they got twenty two on the on the it, board. It, it's a different league, and uh, I, I think the 2004 Pistons team they wouldn't be able to survive in today's league. It's just two different, called differently, and. Do you think it's better? Do you think that this era of the NBA is like more entertaining to, or better, just better basketball than previous years or eras? I find it more entertaining. Doesn't mean it's better. Okay. Um, they don't play defense. They, they didn't play defense this last NBA final in the bubble. And because uh, you can get any shot that you want. At least back then there was a strategy and you had, it was a chess match and, now it's, am I going to take a two? Or am I going to dunk? What am I going to do? Because you're going to get any shot you want, basically. Right. Um, but it's entertaining uh, to see him go- going up and down the floor and shooting threes and stuff. Doesn't mean it's better basketball, though. All right, then I got this one for you. The 96 Bulls versus the 2017 Kevin Durant, Steph Curry Warriors. Who you got? Seven game series. I got the Bulls. I will always pick the Bulls. Wow. I'd fight you on that. One dude, Michael Jordan, I'm not losing these guys. He just refused to let his team lose. And um, so that's that's the one reason. Um, I think Scottie Pippen would be a better player in today's league than he was then. Uh, Michael might say, Scott, do a little bit more here, and he will let him do that. Um, Dennis Rodman uh, is going to shut somebody down, somebody who's – Roman Free is going to, you know, draw a tech or Draymond Green will probably slap him upside the head and get <laughs> out of the series or something like that. So I'm, I'm going bull. Okay. All right. I'm a little bit disappointed to hear that one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a, always pleased. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So back to the Pistons. I just got a couple more things, and then we'll get you out of here. I'm sure you're a busy guy. Uh, Christian Wood, where are you at with Christian Wood? And, like – I'm willing to pay him probably up to $15 million a year where he just about slides into that NBA purgatory contract price I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need something, right? And hopefully Blake Griffin's not going to be here for two full more years. Hopefully you're going to find a way uh, to move that contract, even though it's going to be tough. Uh, yeah, but you need something. Blake, Blake Griffin won't be here for two more games. Uh, that, that's the, the oh. whole thing. I mean, you can – he sounds like the Woodman. You can hear him running up and down the court. His creaky limbs and everything are kind of for um, Christian Wood. I'd pay him because uh, 
I mean, this is a guy that basically nobody knew who he was and he didn't produce, but he's come here and he's been a real good fit. And I think what might happen with him, he might go somewhere else and get more money and then he'll disappear. I think for both parties, you need him here. He will be a go-to guy. Uh, he will be a guy that get, earns respect from other teams. He's not the upper left level. Like, for instance, I wouldn't trust him in a playoff situation. The Pistons guy make the playoffs first. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I'd pay him because we need to see some playoff basketball around here at some point. Yeah, and maybe not as an eight seed against Giannis and the Bucks. Just maybe. If we could get a couple spots above that, I could be happy. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's all we need. Um, all right, so one more question for you, and then we'll get you out of here. Very simple. Out of the four Detroit sports teams, who's first? Who's first to the top of the mountain? Top of the mountain is easily the Detroit Lions. And it's not close. Um, people are passionate about this team. Um, when I did radio on Mondays before the show, we were just, we were making phone calls on the Lions. Don't talk about the Lions. I'm pissed off with them and to get this team. And then once the show started, the Lions lit up about the Detroit Lions. And if you tell somebody, I don't want talk about something that means you want to talk about something right um we got high ratings because of them um they they draw people to if, if we can draw you to anger or happiness that means we've got you right. and the other thing is people would defend this team no matter what there's still a segment of people they just need a break it's still a good organization, even though it's one of the worst franchises in history. Have the faith. And, um, I mean, if I, I'm not stopped in public anymore. But when I was stopped in public, it was always about the stupid Detroit Lions. Yep. Now, who's first to the championship top of the mountain? Mm-hmm. My, my pick would be the Tigers. I think they have the best foundation laid out. Oh, you, who's going to win the next championship? Yeah, first one to win a championship in this city. It, yeah, you're probably right because they got all these young guns. You know, they're pretty good. We haven't seen them yet. But right. I'm going to assume that they can play. Yeah, so, it's the um, only way to. You don't want to guess right. a guy's going to fail. Right. So. The, the, you know, the Red Wings, uh, I think a lot of people say Red Wings simply because of Steve Eiserman. But to be it, you know, admittedly, they're bringing in guys from Europe. You think they're good, but I don't know until you actually see them play. I would go Tigers, Red Wings, and Pistons with the other three. Okay. All right. I think I agree with your order. I, I might flip the Pistons and Lions just because I think it's so hard to build a championship basketball team without a superstar, but I think I do agree with your order. So you think the Lions have a better shot at winning a championship than the Pistons? So I am somebody who I, I – You think the Lions have a better <laughs> shot at winning the championship than the Pistons? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Lions won a playoff game in 1991. Where were you in 91? Uh, negative six years old. I was negative two years old. Bam, you guys weren't even born. 
but to be fair, like the Pistons have lost what sixteen playoff games in a row. Okay, the Lions haven't been to the you know they they've lost what seven in a row. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. No, you're probably right, Terry. I just I I have a hard time seeing how to build a championship basketball team. At least Troy Weaver, I mean the general manager, is legit. He, right. You know, he Seems has like it. Credibility and he knows talent. Lions are still fumbling with Matt Patricia and Quinn, and they're still fumbling with the Fords. 1970, way before you were born, <laughs> th- this this was the argument sports fans that never going to win a championship because of the Fords. So now we're going through the 70s, the 80s, and 90s, the 00s, the 2020. That was 50 years ago. And those people are right. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I always argue against history. I'm the guy who says, I know that they've sucked before, but this regime's different, this roster's different, and I guess that is the stupidity of Lions fans in me, right? I'm tricking my you I do the thing, well. I trick myself every year, and I'm I'm always the guy, Terry. I scream ten and six every August. Every August I scream ten and six. You poor thing. It's uh, coming up. We'll grow up soon. But that but that's the NFL. Uh, before each season, I, I, I play this little game. I go to the newspaper websites of not every NFL team, but let's say 70 or 80% of them. They always ask this poll question. How many games are the Lions? How many games are the Bears? How many games are the Packers? How many games are the 49ers going to win this year? Every fan base, no matter how bad or, 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 or good, always pick 10 and 6. Our team is finishing ten and six this year. Of course, everybody can't finish ten and six, but the NFL is set up for you to believe. You're supposed right. to believe because you know every game. You know, here's the other fake. They say, "Well, our team, the, you know, the games they lost were close." You know that on the, any given NFL season, forty-five to fifty-five percent of games are decided by one score or less. So. And what sports fans do, and I'm going to put you in that category, they say, well, we could have won those close games. We'd be 11-5. and five, or We'd be 12-4. and four. But you know what? You can't win all of them. Um, but sports fans always put that in the back of their mind. And if you tallied up how many games they could have won, then NFL teams, if you put their records together, They'd be like 60 or 70 games above 500. So don't fall for the fake. This is one of the worst. I mean, I've said the Lions are the worst franchise in sports history. And people want to, you know, Detroit, they argue, no, they're not. I think the only ones you could say are worse, Cleveland Browns. Used to be the L.A. Clippers, but then they've surpassed the Lions now. Sacramento Kings. They're all bottom. This is a bottom feeder organization, dude. They're not winning a championship. You're, I, I know. I like th- that's no, the worst part know. about you it. No, it's in here. It's it's in here. I argue it here. I argue no, it in my heart <laughs> here. That's yeah, what it is. But my brain, my brain. Like I said, Monday through Saturday, I'm there with you. I am. I am anti Lions. And then come Sunday, I put on my foam finger. And I start screaming ten and six. What if this, this, and this happened? But I'll learn eventually, Terry. I will, man. It'll it'll come one day. 
All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we will. We I've seen so many people like you, and then years <laughs> later they come back. You know, to you, I should have listened to you. You know, hey, and, you, um, Terry, you said you were what thirty-two when I gave up. Yeah, I was in my thirties. I don't know if it was 32, 33. I was a long time. That was thirty years ago, almost. You gotta give me the curse. benefit of the doubt, then, right? I'm getting there. I'll be there by thirty. Yeah, but you'll you'll look like you're seventy. You look like he like just got through with the presidency. He's gonna have like white oh, hair yeah, and all that right. stuff. You look like uh, Joe Biden. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, hopefully not in ten years. All right, Terry. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Seriously, it, it was awesome to have you. Uh, okay. Obviously, like a six year gap in between you coming on one of my podcasts, but. Uh, I hope we can do it again sometime soon, and it's been awesome having you here. Thank you so, so much. Really fun. Thank you. Thank you for remembering me, and uh, it was fun. All right. We will uh, we will talk to you soon, my friend. Again, I really appreciate it. All right. Take it easy, fellas. All right. Bye-bye. And that, once again, was Terry Foster. That was awesome having him on here. Uh, we really appreciate it, as we just said a thousand times. But uh, as a lifelong fan, that was awesome. But now let's get into – Kind of the normal show, if you will, and talk some lions. If we have to, right? Because we have I think, to? I think so. I don't know how we're going to get away from it. Uh, last week we were here, and we discussed, both of us agreed, we thought that the Vikings were on the verge of going on kind of a run, that the team was going to step up, maybe win a few games. Um, and the main reason we said so, both of us, was Dalvin Cook, who... Walked into this game today, saw this Lions defensive line in front of him, Sands, Trey Flowers, and proceeded to put up twenty or 206 yards on 22 carries for an average of 9.4 carries or yards per carry. Yeah. I, I no longer have the wherewithal or the energy to come on here and tell everybody how Matt Patricia needs to be fired because we all know it. It's not. We're not breaking any ground here. This game was like was fireable. This was a fireable game. It was truly terrible. I think maybe the worst game of the year for the Lions. I mean, they fell apart. Like the well, and the the thing I can't grasp. I can't do it. Is if you're going to be a bend but don't break defense sure you're going to allow some passing yards you're probably not going to get a ton of turnovers but how do you not get the other part of the defense at least to be decent and hold a guy to even it's Dalvin Cook hold him to five yards a carry like yeah. slow him down a little bit don't let him break out for a 75 yard carry or you even look in the past game Kirk Cousins has thrown 10 interceptions this year 10 interceptions on 13 passes today. He went for 220 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, an 83.3 quarterback rating. Like, it's it, – the the defensive genius is the worst defensive coach in the league. And I know the talent is an all-star or pro bowl or that level, but he's the worst defensive coach in the league. It's not the worst defensive roster out here. It's not even close to that. Um, maybe at linebacker, you're in the bottom third. But everywhere else, you at least are, like, okay. Um, 
And then you go to the other side of the ball because it's the same thing with the defense. I don't have the energy to whine and complain about it. It's been this way for three years, two and a half years, three years, whatever. Um, And we're getting this Matthew Stafford that just isn't Matthew Stafford. He's just not the guy we saw in the first half of last year or even the guy we saw in previous years before that. Uh, He had a string of 14 straight completions to end the first half, I think. And then he comes out in the second half and he has like a 50% completion rating the rest of the game. He throws two really, really bad interceptions. Bad and backbreakers. I mean, like, that first if you, one I went, oh, no, out you, loud to nobody. If, if you don't throw those interceptions, you definitely can win this game. Yeah, You're on the right side of the field both times. You lose by 14. That's simple math. You can definitely win this game. So I don't want to put it all on the defense because it's a lot like that first half in the Colts game where how is it? Defense supposed to hold on. What? What just happened? Sorry, car alarms are going off outside. How is a defense supposed to play good defense, <laughs> stay energized, be ready to go every play when they're on the field so often? Yeah. Uh, and when they do have a stand, when they do stop Delvin Cook. And then they block a punt. The special teams blocks a punt. Shout out Braden Combs, the best Shout special teams Braden coach Combs. in the NFL. His future future Lions head coach, Braden Combs. Oh, in my dreams, at least. Um, but even when they do get a stop, you go back and you turn the ball over right away. Uh, so we've kind of been back and forth on should Matthew Stafford stay after the season. We're Matthew Stafford apologists. We've admitted we're Matthew Stafford fans. Uh, I have Matthew Stafford's signed helmet in the room behind me, but it's it, it's time. And I don't ex- I expect he'll be a little bit better next year than he has been this year. I think it's still like I've had a broken back for two years. I'm still trying to find my body again. But this is a 30 plus year old quarterback who's throwing interceptions like he did back in 2013, 2014, um, who obviously doesn't have a defense who can back him up on his off days. But there's just not enough really good days anymore. I mean, if you look at pro football focus, he's like the 22nd ranked quarterback. Kirk Cousins with 10 interceptions, like I just mentioned, is ranked ahead of him. Uh, I just don't I don't see a path forward in in any kind of way for this team with this roster. And I like week one, week two, I was here, blow it up, trade everybody, get rid of everybody. Then I kind of backed off that stance and it was like, OK, let's keep some key pieces. Let's get rid of the, the head coach. Let's get rid of the GM. Quintricia can go. Um, and now I'm kind of hopping back to where I was week one, week two, where it's just, what is the point of keeping any of these guys? We need to completely reset this, especially on defense where you have this full Patriots defense that just isn't getting it done, but you keep your very, very young guys. You keep your Okudas, you keep your Warriors, you keep them, but there's no need for Trey flowers to be on this team next year. There's no need. If you can get rid of the contract for Desmond Trufant to be on the team next year, there's no need if you can get rid of the contract for Justin Coleman to be on this team next year, bottom out I, tanking in football. No, probably not. I mean, sure. In the middle of the season, if you realize you're out, lose a couple games, get a better draft pick, but it's it don't keep the core hoping that the next guy can come in and turn this to a playoff team. One, cause it's not going to happen. And two, because then this new guy is going to come in, do a year with this team. It's going to go bad. And then he's, they're going to have to start the rebuild. Whoever the new GM, whoever the new coach are, they're going to have to start the rebuild a year in. So that already takes some time off of their timeline. Do you agree or disagree with that? 
I mostly agree. Uh, I think that if you're going to bring in a high-tier new head coach to replace Matt Patricia and your belief is that he is a bad coach, uh, then I think that you probably want to keep as much of that talent around as you can to create an enticing offer for a high-tier head, head coaching hire. Uh, and for them to – so assuming they bring in an offensive head coach, which is what I, I bet that they would do, uh, you got to give a new defensive coordinator something to work with. You got to give it's like uh, it's like it's like when they pull you over. You got to give your lawyer something to work with. You got to help your lawyer help you. So the Lions need to help their head coach help them and keep some of that talent. I think that there are some guys they probably could offload. Uh, if you think Okuda next year, once he's well coached, is going to be a, a one or a two corner, you can probably get one of through get rid of one of those guys. Uh, I don't know if we want to be paying Trey Flowers as much as we're paying him. But ultimately, the Lions still have a bunch of money still open on their payroll, so it's not like we're it's not like we need the cap space right now to bottom out. Uh, it's not basketball where you can absorb a bad contract for a pick, you know. Uh, it just doesn't really work like that. But football is a lot more high variance year to year. So if we get hot, if we get the right coach in, if we can figure a few things out, the Lions next year can can in one year turn that around and be a good football team. If your belief is that the thing holding us back is the coaching. And I think that that's where it is right now, that the coaching is the thing holding us back. I think both can be true. I think the coaching is awful and the roster is not good. And I honestly think having an offer for a new head coach, they're going to be more intrigued by you get to do what you want. You get to rebuild this team in your image is going to be more enticing than, look, we have these pieces. Jamie Collins, I mean, he's had some okay weeks, but he's not good anymore. Trey Flowers is not worth $16 million a year. I agree that the Trey Flowers thing, you probably need to find somewhere else for him. But some of those guys, like, they're just worth more to us than they are to another team as a trade asset. Like, if you can get a fourth-round pick for Trey Flowers, wouldn't you rather just have Trey Flowers? Not just, a $16 like, million a year. I just don't think that that – the NFL cap is, like, made up. Like, it's – No, I know. And you get de- <laughs> you get hit with dead cap but if you trade a guy. But it's you're still going to have net, net positive. And the way the NFL cap works with the rollover, with the money you didn't spend at the end of the offseason and all that – it's best to just build it up so that way year two, year three of this new regime is going to have flexibility and options. That's You're just trying to create the path forward because I think if you keep these guys and you keep paying, I'm sure you're going to get some cap space eventually, but it's going to be very up and down and you're not going to have a consistent path to success, which is what I think you need. I mean, Marvin Jones probably gone after this year. Danny Amendola probably gone after this year. But Eat, like you're gonna have to replace those guys, which I get makes it a little bit harder. But wouldn't you rather go into next year setting up your team for a year or two after that down the road to have cap space and flexibility and probably winning three games and getting a high draft pick than going into next year knowing you're gonna probably cap out at six wins? It depends and still on, pay these guys. I mean, it, it partially for me depends on how it is that we're achieving three wins. Are we achieving three wins because we draft a quarterback very high and we deal Stafford? And so then we've got like a couple of really high draft picks. Are we taking Justin Fields and that's how we're getting there? Because if that's what we're talking about, then absolutely. Right? Absolutely do what the Bengals are doing with Joe Burrow this year and just take a year and let your rookie quarterback adjust to the NFL. Otherwise, I don't see, I just don't see how like 
this is how like the you end up being the Jets almost, right? Is if you try to tear it down, but you don't quite do it right, and you don't quite have like a, a hand and feet are operating for the same task at the same time type deal. So you're you're kind of going in multiple directions. I I I think that if you're gonna tear it down, like you just need to be very careful with how you tear it down. Yeah, I'm, again, I'm not saying trade everybody, but get rid of some of them. Some of the Jamie Collins, some of the Toufants, so, some of the Coleman, some of the Flowers, are you, some of those guys. Are you advocating dealing Matt Stafford at this point? I mean, yeah, you obviously have to wait till the offseason, but yes, yes. The, so, the second a team calls and offers a third-round picker better, I'm trading. What? A third-round picker better? Yeah, I mean, before this season, I would have said a second-round pick gets it done, but I'm hoping for a first-round pick. Uh, After this season, I don't think yeah. you're getting a first-round. I would doubt that you're going to get a second round, and I think you'd probably get a third round. I think if you're the Cowboys and you're looking around right now what your options are, trading a second-round pick for Matt Stafford probably sounds pretty good. I bet Cowboys fans would agree with that, too. I bet I bet that they would be. Yeah, and again, it's possible to get a second, but you're not getting a first anymore. You're not. Um so I'm Should not have traded gonna, him when the Dolphins offered us two firsts for him. Uh, right now we're the 13th. We'd be picking 13th right now. <laughs> that's that's tough. Yeah, that's just not. You're but gonna probably end up what taking Trey Lance out of a Division two school. I mean, the last couple Division two guys who've been taken early have been decent: Carson Wentz and Josh Allen. At least those are the two that I can remember. Yeah, I don't know if I would even call Carson Wentz that yet, but I get your point. Now, for the silver linings of this game, because we don't have a ton of time this week for this part of the show, but let's talk about some silver linings. Okay. Tell me a silver lining. DeAndre Swift, 13 (laughs) carries, 64 yards. That's 4.9 yards per carry and three catches for 33 yards. Carry-on Johnson, four carries, 29 yards, which is 7.3 yards per carry. Uh, three grabs for 36 yards. So they used both of those guys. Carrion got seven touches. Swift got 16 touches, right where we've talked about wanting them to be. I know you've wanted Swift more around like 10 to 12, I think you said, but that's a good amount. And then Adrian Peterson, eight carries, 29 yards. Like, get him out of the rotation, man. Most of those running carries- it straight up the middle, Swift and Johnson, they can both do it. Most of those carries were in the first half as well. And I actually thought that Adrian Peterson looked a little bit better today than he had in the previous weeks. Uh, it just felt like he was falling further forward than usual. Uh, and I, I, I think because there was a little more carrying Johnson, a little more DeAndre Swift, that it looked a little bit better for him. Uh, TJ Hawkinson continues to be like probably a top 10 NFL tight end already at this point. Yeah, worst. Right? I mean, I think he's probably been sixth or seventh. Yeah, he's been really good. He's top five, I believe, in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns, or top six in all those. He's like tight end six in fantasy. He's gotten either 50 yards and or a touchdown every week this year. So, And this is only t- year two. We're not expecting yeah. him to be t- a 10 for 160 like Kelsey was today. We're expecting what we're seeing so far. This is right on track. Yeah, to make that actually a good pick, which it's really tough to do with a tight end inside the top ten. All right, one more question about the Lions, then we'll do a quick around the league. Just talk about a couple games. Um, would you give Braden Combs legit? Would you give him an interview in the off season? Abs- oh, an interview? Absolutely. I thought you were going to ask me if I'd give him the job. Uh, you were about to say I, absolutely <laughs> to give him the job. I was going to say I think it's kind of like a slight non bit. Like we, I think we are approaching this as a bit. 
but now I'm kind of now I'm kind of interested to see. I mean, the special teams were they were on fire today. Two block punts, uh, some really nice returns. Like they just close out that nobody gets past the 25 yard line on kick returns. It's awesome. It's so it's so stupid that like where we're at with the lines right now is man, aren't those special teams good? But that's where we are. He is 33 years old. He has been with an NFL team, so he started as an intern coach, which I didn't know they had those. But like an intern, not an interim, an intern coach. Is that in like 2009 when he okay. was 22 years old with the Bengals? He's 33. I, I mean, you're the Lions, so I, you either look at it one of two ways: do you take the risk and just say, "If we fuck up, we fuck up"? That's what everybody's used to. Or do you say we can't really take a risk here? Because what's going to happen, there's two options if you were to hire Brain Combs. And again, like you said, kind of it was a bit, but we have the, he's the best special teams coordinator it's in the Becoming right less now. of a bit. You're either going to hire a guy who has no idea how to run an NFL team, or you're going to hire Sean McVay. Those are the only two <laughs> options if you do it. Um, I think I'd. I think I'd risk it. I'd definitely give him an interview. It just depends how much interest there is in the job amongst the potential head coach hires around the league. Cause you if don't get Salah, don't get the enemy. Yeah. Uh, I would say, that, like, if there was a way to do, like, a McVeigh wade Phillips style with Braden Combs and Todd Bowles, I, I'd be all in on that. That would be what I would want. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. But we don't know enough about Braden Combs really to know for sure. No, but, we don't. But well. <laughs> what we do know is success, right? Yeah. What we do know is he's got the only uh, phase of this game that the Lions have working. It's because of him. Yeah, uh, that's we'll take it. We'll take anything, however we can get it at this point. We'll see. It'll be an interesting couple of days in Lions world with Lions. Terry, Terry said Patricia's he's head. 100% sure that Matt Patricia's not getting fired. Uh, and I guess I believe him. I guess they are going to let him coach the year out. Uh, I was really, I was really discouraged by what he said about Sheila Fortham. Yeah, as sad. was I. As <laughs> was I. Um, but I, I do have to assume some of that is he's been watching this team for fifty plus years. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's almost like trauma. Probably. Uh, let's go. Let's go around the league. Though. How much time do we have? Oh, we got like fifteen minutes. All right, cool. Let's start with the Bills Seahawks. That was a fun game. It was. I feel, dude, Russ. Russell Wilson's going to get so screwed out of like multiple Super Bowls in his career because ever since the Legion of Boom, the Steve, like the last two, three years, this defense has been really bad. And he's been a top three quarterback in the league, top four quarterback in the league. Uh, but Josh Allen today reverting to MVP form 31 of 38, 415 yards, three touchdowns through the air, uh, rushing touchdown as well. The Bills are seven and two. First time you- ever? Yeah, is that true? I think I think so. Uh, you a couple weeks ago had them as your tenth best team in the NFL when I did a little quick power rankings. Um, do you feel confident still with ten? Because I think I'd move them up around five, six, seven. Yeah, they're probably right around seven now. I think that they've proven to be at least seven. It's tough. the The upper class of the NFL this year is is pretty. So I mean, you're putting them. Uh, uh, it'd be Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers. Uh, Packers, Buccaneers, who am I missing? Uh, Titans, maybe. Nah, I don't think so. Pa- uh, did you say Packers? Yeah. And the Seahawks. Yeah. 
So that's that's like seven right there. So that's where they're at. Good for them. And I, but totally but they're at a point. The AFC is so fucking crazy this year that they're at a point where I'm. I would not count them out against anybody in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't favor them against most of the other AFC teams, honestly. But I'm not counting them out against anybody. But Josh think- Allen, Josh Allen on a good day is as good as anybody in football. They could definitely take the Steelers, in my opinion. The Steelers would be, like, that's not the team I want to play from the Steelers. Uh, if I'm the Ravens or the Chiefs, I'm good facing the Bills. But if I'm any of those other teams, I don't want to play the Bills. Just matchup-wise. Steelers only beat the Cowboys by five points today. Yeah, that was weird. I'm going to call that one a fluke. I'm going to say that they kind of got caught napping a little bit. Garrett Gilbert, the starting quarterback for the... Cowboys, the SMU, the SMU product, had a couple of nice throws, though. I mean, 250 yeah. yards through the air. He wasn't super efficient, only threw a pick, only got sacked twice. He That's the number that shocks me. He only got sacked two times. He wasn't the guy who stood out to me for, like, all of the, the new QBs this week. What is – what's – the Steelers, whatever. It was a – it was a – they got trap the w. game for the they Steelers. Got the w. Yeah, it was a trap game for the Steelers. It was one that they weren't going to show up for all the way. I should have realized that in the picks pod, but I didn't. What is the path forward for the Cowboys? Do you sign Dak? Do you not sign Dak? Do you try to trade Zeke? Do you keep Zeke? What about Amari Cooper? There's going to be a lot up in the air for America's team come this offseason. And, I mean, today, Ezekiel Elliott, who has been bad all year, all of a sudden he doesn't have the best offensive line in football, and he has not been good. 2.8 yards per carry on 18 carries for 51 yards today. Tony Pollard, 57 yards on only nine carries. Am I saying Tony Pollard is better than Zeke? No. Am I saying you maybe should move on from a guy like that at the giant contract he has at the running back position? Yeah, I am. I mean, the talk of that's like the football equivalent of the Blake Griffin contract. Practically, it's it that's an almost immovable contract, in my opinion. Uh, I think that I I would really like me as a football fan uh, who doesn't really have anything invested in the Cowboys. I would like for the Cowboys and the Dak Prescott to split up. I would like to see Dak Prescott go somewhere else, and I would like to see the Cowboys try their hand with a different quarterback. I don't really have any thoughts about who I think that might be, Matt Stafford, but uh, it just to me feels like just not it's just not the right fit. And I think that they're not going to want to – they're definitely not going to want to pay Dak coming back from this foot injury this year. Yeah, well, I would trade Zeke and Cooper and not sign Dak. It's tough uh, with Cooper, and I'll tell you why, because of how much they invested to get him. You got Gallup. You can't let the past dictate what you do now. You got Gallup. You got C.D. Lamb, who has like been almost as good as Amari Cooper this year. Um, Gallup's been a little underwhelming, but I, I I don't. I think you don't lose much from your offense if you get rid of Cooper. I'm probably I'm happy getting rid of. Uh, I, I would rather I should say get rid of Cooper over Zeke. Because uh, Zeke is, you know, he's still Ezekiel Elliott. Next year he'll be better when the offensive line is healthy. But one of those contracts for sure has to go. You can't have them both. Can't pay two skill position players that much money combined. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to franchise tag Dak Prescott again, which this, which means that in the upcoming year it'll be like thirty-two million or something, or thirty-five million or something. And, and then you uh, mix that Zeke Cooper, you're looking at sixty million out of your 
Yeah, Never. and you're you're locked into Zeke, and I don't think you can trade Cooper because you can't get your investment back out of him. You're not going to be able to get a first-round pick back for Amari Cooper. As good as he is, like he's a genuine wide receiver one, I, but you're not going to be able to I just don't think you do should that. worry about that. You yeah, made but the this, trade. This is the Jerry Jones. This is the Jerry Jones Cowboys. This is a business decision, and they're not taking a loss. They're just, they just won't take a loss. I don't I know think, if I would exactly describe the Jerry Jones Cowboys as a business decision ran team. I think there's a lot of emotion that goes into that team. I don't think – this, I think, is like a very clear – if you move on from Amari Cooper for a third-round pick, that's like – that doesn't look good. I think the optics of that, I think it's just easier for them to probably go out and try to find a, a quarterback, and I think that there might be a few available this year. Well, then you have to get rid of Zeke. I mean, with the money, Maybe. You, ha- like, you can't pay all these guys. It'll never work. You will have no money for your defense, which is awful. It's an yeah, awful defense. Yeah, I mean, for sure. They're going to – something's got to give, and I think that quarterback is the best place. Too all much right, baggage. Let's move on. Uh, 33-31 Chiefs over the Panthers today. I, me and you talked a little bit earlier about the Panthers. Give me your thoughts on them for the rest I'm of the year. I'm scared as hell when they play for when they play the Lions. Uh, the Panthers, with Christian McCaffrey, looked really good because now not only are they, were they able to find out that they could do it on their own, they just added Christian McCaffrey back to that. Uh, so we didn't really see very much Mike Davis today. Uh, but he did show up in a few, kind of had a few grabs, had a few runs. So I, I think that they just, just took like a, a kind of below average team and then added back uh, one of the best skill position players in the NFL. So they're going to be like, they are going to be a tough out every week. Everybody's going to have to show up to beat them. They gave McCaffrey 28 touches today. He had 10 grabs oh, and 18 awesome. carries. Dude <laughs> is just unreal. He, like, every play, too, like, he gets every inch that he can possibly get on every play. He's out there gutting it out. Good for you, Christian McCaffrey. Is Teddy Bridgewater a – do you hear that? What is going on to you right now? I think ESPN.com is yelling at me. Oh. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> you look like you look like you were about to be like. There's something. A, a girl is crawling out of my computer screen. <laughs> no, it's just an ad started playing. Yeah. Uh, is Teddy Bridgewater franchise quarterback? Uh, no. He's firmly above the Andy Dalton line. He is not a franchise quarterback. He's above the Jer- it's the Jared Goff line. Oh, now. sorry, that's I, I gotta like break, break that. He's habit. above it. He's either at it or above it. I think so he's... we're gonna say that line. If you are at that line, you're like the 14th best quarterback in the NFL. I think you need to be a top nine quarterback to be a franchise quarterback. So you think he's like 11, 12, 13? Yeah. Okay. Like at this point, I don't even know if I think Matt Stafford is a franchise quarterback. I'm all uh, mixed up inside. Yeah, I I'm having difficulty internally with my Matthew Stafford opinions right now. It's an it's an internal conflict of the heart and mind. Yes. Yeah, it's it's been rough for me because I, I it's the one guy I never thought I'd give up on in sports ever. And it, the time has come. Uh what else do we have? I really like boring uh, week of football. I honestly. really liked Luton this week. Did you watch the Jags Texans at all? Uh I saw the red zone up Garner Minshew got Garner Minshew this week. Luton looks fucking awesome. Yeah, did, <laughs> didn't his first throw, wasn't it a 75-yard touchdown? Yes. Yes. 
It, uh, he can really he can really throw the football. He looks big. I don't know if he is big, but he had like a couple of nice scrambles too. Uh, I'm in on that guy. I, <laughs> six 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 yeah. six two twenty four out of Oregon State. He's. I guess I can't go on ESPN.com when I'm doing this show because it keeps yelling at me. Uh, yeah, three hundred yards. I mean, and the throw to Chark to start the game. Like I know he had some separation, but he hit him in stride. That throw was on the money i got my eyes on that guy i got I'm, my eyes on that guy if he is okay next if how long is Minshew out for i have no idea Minshew. if uh, he plays next week i'll i'll look but i don't know i don't i look. don't know if if luton comes out and plays well next week i think that might be curtains for Minshew. i mean i think they were getting ready to check him out anyways I think they were getting ready to see what they had behind Minshew. Oh, man. Anyway. You know who might solve the Cowboys' problems is Gardner Minshew a little bit. Uh, game game, game, game manager style, you don't have to pay him a ton of money to sign him. You sign him and you keep, like, a decent backup behind him. Uh, I don't know. I, that's That might be a bit of a reach to go to the Cowboys like that, but uh, it might yeah, solve the I, problems. The, I don't think the Cowboys would give up a asset for Gardner Minshew. Nothing. I, I think you'd give up like a, a conditional sixth round pick or something. Yeah, something like that. The Bears are now five and four, three straight losses. Give me their final record. Uh, seven and nine. So that would be a what ending to the season? A two and eight final ten games. Something. I don't like think that. I don't think you're out of line there. I think you're probably yeah, they one can't, game. They off. cannot score points. They cannot get yards. I mean, and Foles was good. Foles was okay today, and they still couldn't score. Um, it is against the Titans. Good defense, not as great as we I think we all thought they were going to be, but a good. defense. I think it's like kind of an average defense. It's like a totally fine defense. Um, and I know everybody that we're kind of flying through this, but that's because we're a little short on time this week. So I have one more game I want to talk about. Yeah. To a tug of Iowa, beat your favorite quarterback. Uh, both of our, both of our, our. Team sons uh, played this week. My team son is the Arizona Cardinals. Your team son is the Miami Dolphins. And it was a very close game. And both of our sons fought well and played respectful football. And that's all I have to say about the matter. Can I uh, brag about our picks podcast for a minute? Yeah, we haven't done it yet in the show, have we? A little bit, but not much. <laughs> uh, so not only coming into this week were you 12-3-1. This is against the spread, everybody. You were 12-3-1. I was 11-4-1. But on the show this week, I went back and I listened because I wanted to see exactly what I said. I said Tua was going to go for 230 to 240 yards on 68 to 70% completion and two touchdowns. He goes 248, two touchdowns, 71% completion. He was much better this week. Uh, admittedly, I didn't. We we didn't get to see a lot of the plays in the second half because that's when we were recording with Terry. Uh, we're on a first name basis now. Uh, yeah, my best friend. Uh, but in the first half, I liked what I saw. Uh, I I just enjoyed it. Well, it you know, both teams scored a lot of points, and the Dolphins just happened to score more. And also, they got another defensive touchdown again this week. So he's just so accurate. It's he's pretty accurate. Just- on the run, he's he was money. really good on the move. Yeah, that outside was outside the numbers. He's money, middle of the field. He leads his. I mean, that's so. That's always been my biggest issue with Stafford. Right? Is I think Stafford has issue leading his receivers. They always have to slow down or normally slow down to catch the ball, at least by a step or two. Tua hits you in stride at your full sprint every time. 
every single, especially over the middle of the field, but outside the numbers, he's almost just as good at it. Um, dude, this quarterback class, whew. this whole draft. Yeah. And hopefully Jeff Okuda can step up next year. Hopefully we're not the only team that had a bad first round. Like Patrick Arizona for did the Ravens. Too. Like, sucks. Is that, do we know that for sure? Yeah, I don't know playing. enough about like, he's not, okay. they don't even put him on the field. God, that's, I, I feel like that has to be a coaching error because watching that guy's clips, like he's just, a, he's just such an athlete. Like, yeah, but that's what he is. He's an athlete. There I don't has know if to be a, a way. <laughs> but we get one of these every year, right? We thought it was going to be Metcalf uh, two years ago, uh, and it's Simmons this year. Um, there's always that yeah. workout warrior. And honestly, I feel like most of the time, those guys who come in and just like number one in everything in the combine, uh, a lot of the time they don't work out because they've been able to beat everybody with raw athleticism their whole life. And that doesn't work in the NFL. Everybody is a freak. Everybody. Even the offensive linemen. Those are 350-pound athletic freaks. For their size, they are kind of uh, top 1% in like gracefulness and coordination. And speed and power and yeah. all of that. <laughs> Uh, all right, Patriots Jets on Monday Night Football. Give me a final score, then we'll get out of here. Seventeen to ten. Oh man, that is that the worst Monday Night Football game? It sucks. Like as I've ever. seen this more with the Thursday night games. Like last Thursday was Forty ers Packers, and it's like finally a good primetime solo game. And it's like, oh, just kidding. The Forty ers are missing fifteen players. <laughs> Not to mention, like even with them missing players, that's good for a Thursday Night Football game. And they do it on election week. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Like nobody's, yeah. we're not tuning in. Uh, the Patriots are nine and a half point favorites against the Jets. I don't think it's a guarantee the Patriots are going to score 10 points. <laughs> I think that they'll, I, I don't want to go too overboard. Like, if the Patriots played the Lions right now, who would win? The Lions. You think, you think so? Yes. All right, I do not think so. I do not feel confident about that. The Patriots that. just scored over 15 points in a game last week for the first time since week three. Have you ever seen the Lions try to stop a running back this year? Have you ever seen a good Patriots running back? Cam Newton is the best running back on that team. <laughs> They've actually done an okay job containing quarterbacks. Uh, Kyler Murray. They beat the Cardinals. Boom, That's I just true. beat you. Uh, you got anything else? Uh, no, uh, I'm good to get out of here this week. All right. Something we're probably going to get more into next week that honestly, I just don't want to bullshit you guys and act like I know about bench coaches from around the league and Michigan's pitching coach, even though I've heard some consider him the best pitching coach in the world, but the tigers over the last couple of weeks have made a litany of top, top, top hires, uh, to give them one of the best coaching staffs in the MLB, super analytical, which they haven't done so far. Uh, so I'm going to do as much research on that as I can the next week. We're really going to break it down next week. Uh, we're going to talk some Pistons draft next week because we are getting to that time. We are less than two weeks away, I believe, from the draft. Free agency will be starting almost immediately after that. Uh, but, again, I just want to give a big thank you to Terry Foster. Uh, awesome having you on. I hope we can have you on again soon. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show for Double P, Producer Parker, and myself, your host, Andrew Norris. This is Fan to Fan Detroit, and we will see you next week.